Donald Trump must be stopped. I've beaten him before, and I will do it again. Well, good luck with that, Bill de Blasio. I'm on your side. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the From middle Pacifica with you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP. Grand Rapids, WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, and Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Also in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe for you. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Greetings. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, boy, Des, uh, Desi Doyen is joining us as well. Hi, Des. <laughs> as usual. I have uh, uh, so much to get to today. And then Bill de Blasio comes along and announces he is going to be the, I think, 23rd Democratic president, yes, uh, presidential I candidate. I think that makes 23 declared. And I like to, actually, there's a lot more declared, but of the ones that are known, <laughs> of the ones that are famous, of the ones that have some chance of winning, uh, he's the 23rd. I usually like to play their uh, announcement videos. Today, completely unfair. I don't have time. So here's how much we'll play of Bill de Blasio's video. Donald Trump must be stopped. I've beaten him before, and I will do it again. I'm Bill de Blasio, and I'm running for president because it's time we put working people first. There you go. Very tall guy, very short video clip. Indeed. And, you know, hey, it's on yeah. YouTube, so it looks works better with the visuals We will anyway. link over to it, and maybe if we can find time on an upcoming broadcast, we'll play it. I don't mind playing it. I like playing it. I like, uh, I'm, I'm fine with all of these people in there, but we've got a lot to get to today. And so I want to start here. The California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, otherwise known out here as CAL FIRE, has determined that the uh, that electrical transmission lines belonging to Pacific Gas and Electric, that's the state's largest utility company, PG&E, caused the campfire of 2018, California's deadliest wildfire in state history. The fire, which started on November 8 of last year, killed 85 people 
and destroyed nearly 19,000 homes, businesses, and other buildings, largely wiping out the entire city of Paradise, California, which Trump at the time, after touring the devastation there, as you may recall, described it this way. As big as they look on the tube, you don't see what's going on until you come here. And what we saw at pleasure, what a name right now. But what we just saw, we just left pleasure for paradise. And what we just saw at at paradise is just, uh, you know, it's just not acceptable. Yes. Uh, Wherever, pleasure, paradise. Uh, He went on to say that after uh, speaking with the president of Finland, he had determined that it was important to rake the forest floor to avoid this sort of thing in the future as they have in Finland. Yes, that's what he actually said at the time. The president of Finland later said he had no clue what Donald Trump was talking about. <laughs> yes. The uh, California Depart- Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, or CAL FIRE, said on Wednesday that after, quote, a very meticulous and thorough investigation, it had determined the campfire was caused by electrical transmission lines that were owned and operated by PG&E. That includes the collapse of a 99-year-old PG&E tower that the company had let stand even after it had acknowledged that such structures were at risk of collapse. Another example of much-needed infrastructure improvements that have been put off for decades, and yes, once again, with deadly consequences. PG&E has filed for bankruptcy protection, uh, saying that it is now facing an estimated $30 billion in wildfire liabilities, $30 billion. At least. They had previously said that, uh, that they had recognized, quote, that more must be done to adapt, uh, to adapt to and address the increasing threat of wildfires and extreme weather and that it was stepping up inspections, tree trimming, and maintenance in the bargain. But the campfire underscores the increasing threat that wildfires pose to California as climate change has intensified droughts and heat waves, which have turned into uh, what might be, you know, have turned what might be routine wildfires into these devastating flash fires that wipe out entire towns in minutes, as we saw last year in Pleasure. Oh, I mean, paradise. And you're not kidding when it was in minutes. They had planned an evacuation that they had planned for four hours in their last drill before the fire. The fire overtook the town in 30 minutes. We will discuss more of that uh, in our latest Green News report in a little bit, including the enormous costs that insurance companies are now warning about when it comes to the to the price, to the cost of our climate crisis. Even as Republicans tell us it is just too expensive to do anything about any climate emergency uh, or what Donald Trump refers to as the need to sweep up the forest floors quickly with some rakes. We'll be working also with environmental groups. They've really, uh, I think everybody's seen the light. And uh, we, I don't think we'll have this again to this extent. We're going to have to work quickly. But a lot of people are uh, very much... Uh, there's been a lot of study going on over the last little while, and I, I will, I will say, I think you're going to have. Hopefully, this is going to be the last of, of these, because 
this was a really, really bad one. Yeah, I'm sure that this will be the last of them. That should take care of that. Uh, there's been a lot of study going on lately. <laughs> well, the first thing they could do, which so, they haven't done, is yeah. actually increase the Forest Service budget, which they have had to uh, take it from other areas of the Forest Service budget in order to fight the wildfires rather than the preventive maintenance well, that they've been trying to yeah, do. Yeah, well, we, you know, we just need to buy some more rakes. <laughs> we'll get it swept out. We'll act quickly, as the president says. That should uh, take care of, uh, of, of this sort of thing. We won't have to worry about this anymore i'm i'm reassured of course we have now spent years of the trump administration being told that these things are uh, nothing more well been told by them that these things are nothing more than hoaxes with uh, trump's environmental protection agency reversing largely everything that obama's epa had done making things much worse in the bargain Despite all of that uh, study that has been done lately, as Trump said. <laughs> but what do you expect when you hire a fossil fuel industry tool, Scott Pruitt, to head the EPA? Of course, he reversed everything that might have helped these situations. And after he was fired in disgrace, what do you expect when you put a uh, put the nation's top coal lobbyist, Andrew Wheeler, uh, in to take Scott Pruitt's place? But speaking of the uh, disgraced, thankfully now former EPA director Scott Pruitt, today in a story too late for our upcoming GNR a little bit later, uh, one of several inspector general reports looking into his culture of corruption at the EPA came out with some findings today, or as they call them, suggestions. Former EPA uh, Administrator Scott Pruitt and his staff, they found, spent nearly $124,000 on unnecessary first and business class air travel during just 10 months in 2017. According to the new report from the EPA's Office of Inspector General, the excessive first and business class travel for Pruitt and his personal security detail was between March uh, and the uh, March of 2017 and the end of the year. So just in those few months, Pruitt ended up resigning seven months later amid several ethics scandals. And that's putting it nicely, NBC News, surrounding his alleged abuse of agency resources. He was the fourth cabinet level official to resign in the Trump administration at the time, nearly Half of all of Pruitt's trips during those 10 months included travel to or had stops in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the location of Pruitt's personal residence. Total coincidence. They just the planes just happened to land there where he lived. Damn near every time he got into an airplane. Uh, the IG examined 40 trips for the report, of which six were canceled, but still resulted in expenses for the agency. 16 of the 34 trips Pruitt did take included Tulsa. The total cost of all of the trips, including those that were canceled, was $985,000, almost $1 million. The bulk of those expenses were for Pruitt's round-the-clock security detail, which billed uh, $429,000 in travel costs. The agency spent an additional $340,000 on staffers who were traveling with the former administrator. The majority of Pruitt's own travel costs were for airfare, 
first uh, business class, and uh, more than three-quarters of the flights he took were in first class, according to the report. That, you'll recall, after Pruitt had claimed that his security detail had told him to take first class since someone in coach had uh, recognized him and said they didn't like him and called him nasty names and, and so forth. They and were they were not calling him names. They were just rude to him. They said, I don't like what you're doing. And uh, so he created this idea, that I his, think, that he needed to have this luxury travel for security purposes. Well, it was his life was endangered. He was able to get uh, <laughs> someone at the EPA to uh, agree. And that's why he had to fly in first class. The uh, EPA watchdog report details a litany of other problems with the way Pruitt and his entourage rang up excessive costs using taxpayer money for fancy hotels. I guess that was also to save his life. Um, exceptions uh, for first and business class travel were approved for Pruitt and his security detail, quote, without sufficient justification and quote, approved by an individual who did not initially have the authority to grant such approval. So he found some random guy at the EPA, said, hey, is it okay if I take first class? He said, sure. And that's who it was. And later on, they said, okay, that guy you asked, we'll let him be uh, the one who decides whether you can take first class. Funny how that works. The inspectors found that Pruitt and his staff failed to comply with federal travel regulations and the agency's own internal policies. Among the findings were improper approval of expensive lodging costs, quote, inaccurate and incomplete international trip reports, and not justifying the use of non-contract air carriers, private planes, military planes, and so forth. The IG recommended, that's right, suggested that the agency's chief financial officer determine whether Pruitt or, uh, or, uh, or any other uh, uh, official should pay back the excessive airfare from those 10 months or any additional excessive expenses. So do you think they will uh, demand that he do so? Do you think he'll even be asked? If he would, would you mind, Mr. Pruitt, paying back the taxpayer money that you stole? One, no, I don't think anyone will even ask him. And two, Pruitt now serves as a lobbyist for the uh, coal industry. So yep. he's probably making some uh, pretty good bank right now he and is. could afford it. He could afford to pay it back. Uh, Washington Post actually got a pretty quick answer to that question from the <laughs> agency itself. The EPA said in response to the report that the agency had a longstanding policy of allowing travel other than coach class, its general counsel office had issued an opinion determining that the acting controller had the authority to grant first class exceptions. Therefore, in evaluating the delegation, uh, EPA believes that the trips were authorized by an appropriate official, making cost recovery inappropriate. Mm. So, uh, yes, Pruitt will be allowed to get away with it because the Republican Party itself is a culture of corruption. Do you think that a Democrat would have gotten away with spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in luxury travel on the taxpayer dime and would not be called out on the carpet for it in Congress? Do you think that he or she would not have already been called in to face investigations with criminal referrals made to the Department of Justice. But that is not how it works for Republicans, at least not anymore, and certainly not inside the Trump administration swamp of swamps. 
There is precedent, believe it or not, for a Trump administration cabinet member to reimburse taxpayers for at least a portion of cost, de- costs determined to be improper, Washington Post notes. Uh, you may recall that then Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price announced the day before he resigned that he had written a personal check to the U.S. Treasury for $51,000 for uh, similarly uh, inappropriate travel costs to offset uh, charter and military flights that he took in 2017. So there's something, $51,000. However, that agency's IG later urged the recovery of at least three hundred and forty-one thousand dollars from price after investigating his use of private and military aircraft he will not be paying the taxpayers back that much money of course he's got a wife and kids to feed and more insider trading to do tom price in any event the new findings effectively end the agency watchdogs probe into pruitt and who now works as you note does uh, as a uh, coal company consultant Yes, Trump's former EPA chief now works for coal companies, which should be handy for the new EPA chief, Andrew Wheeler, who worked for coal companies for years as a lobbyist before diving back into Trump's swamp to uh, to head the federal agency that is meant to protect the environment from, among other things, coal companies, of course. Not just the environment, by the way, public health as well. Oh, yeah, there's that. But that's not all that uh, Pruitt, by the way, appears to have gotten away with. In November, the inspector general closed two other inquiries into his conduct without reaching any conclusion because he had resigned as administrator before he could be interviewed. You know, kind of like that uh, investigation into Donald Trump's sister, who was a federal judge and was being investigated by the judiciary until she decided to resign her job as a federal judge and that ended that particular investigation. So uh, the lesson here, yes, obstruction works. As Pruitt's uh, former boss, the president of the United States, has proven and is continuing to prove every day as he blocks any and all administration officials, current or former, from responding to lawful congressional subpoenas to appear or to give testimony or to turn over uh, lawfully subpoenaed documents. Those closed investigations into Pruitt had focused on his use of staff members for personal purposes. Remember that? Sent them out to uh, find a certain Special, type of moisturizer. Yeah, yeah Ritz-Carlton moisturizer that <laughs> and, he really liked. They yeah. drove around Washington, D.C. looking for him. And uh, the condo rental that he made with a lobbyist where he paid something like 100 bucks a month or something in Washington, D.C. Uh, but, of course, with the Republican Party now a culture of corruption, it should be remembered that, as they say, a fish rots from the head down. And the rotten head of this fish is, of course, Donald Trump, who tends to send messages with presidential pardons that he grants to his pals. And he pardoned another pal on Wednesday night. On Wednesday, Trump followed through on a campaign promise that he had made to a guy named Conrad Black, a, uh, a billionaire former media mogul. Uh, and a business partner of Donald Trump's. 
he pardoned him for fraud and obstruction of justice convictions. Hmm. Sending a message, I guess, for some reason, that fraud and obstruction of justice are just fine and dandy by Donald Trump. Especially, by the way, when it's done by folks who say nice things about him. Uh, in late 2015, Black, who was convicted in 2007 and spent more than three years in prison before he was released. In 2015, he wrote a piece for National Review that was headlined, quote, Trump is the good guy. The piece begins, it is time to look more seriously at the Donald Trump presidential candidacy. Donald Trump, who I should disclose as an old friend, is a fine and generous and loyal man and a delightful companion. He is striking very close to the heart of the American problem, the corrupt, dysfunctional political system and the dishonest media. That's what this guy wrote back in 2015. Well, he was right about part of that. Donald Trump is striking very close to the heart of the American problem by becoming the American problem, becoming the corrupt, dysfunctional political system that he used to pretend to abhor. And, of course, embracing only dishonest media like Fox News and the clowns and criminals like Conrad Black at National Review. Trump, uh, who had also partnered with Black in the construction of Trump Tower in Chicago, had shared Black's piece on Twitter at the time back in December of 2015. Uh, and added, quote, as uh, as one of the truly great intellects and my friend, I won't forget, Trump said at the time. Well, he did not forget. On Wednesday, the White House granted Black a full pardon. The administration's justification for the pardon does not cite any legal basis, but notes that Black's uh, tremendous contributions to business as well as to political and historical thought Politico describes Black uh, and his conviction for his role in a ploy to swindle millions of dollars from investors in his media company. Now, remember when uh, Bill Clinton had pardoned some guy who was a big Democratic donor, like on his last day in yep. office? That was Mark Rich. Uh, yeah. And there was uh, all sorts of investigations about it. You, you suppose we'll have any investigations into the... Pardons being issued by Donald Trump to his pals? Not his from Republicans. And yeah. surprisingly, probably not from Democrats either. And more recently, by the way, in case all of that was not enough to get that pardon, he, he wrote a book titled uh, Donald J. Trump, A President Like No Other. Describing Trump as, quote, not, in fact, a racist, sexist, warmonger, hothead, promoter of violence or a foreign or domestic economic warrior. Like the like the country he represents, Donald Trump possesses the optimism to persevere and succeed, the confidence to affront tradition and and convention, a genius for spectacle and a firm belief in common sense and the common man and in pardoning me, he might have added at the time. Uh, so uh, you got that fraud, obstruction of justice. Uh, oh, and racketeering. Uh, in addition to black. The White House also announced on Wednesday that Trump is pardoning a guy by the name of Patrick Nolan, a former Republican leader of the California State Assembly, 
who pleaded guilty to a racketeering charge and spent 29 months in federal custody. Last year, Nolan, who now works with the American Conservative Union, they're the folks who put on the uh, CPAC conference every year, Nolan had publicly criticized the Mueller investigation. So, yes, you get a pardon. You get a pardon. You get everyone who criticizes Mueller or praises the president gets a pardon. So fraud, obstruction of justice, racketeering, all cool now. So long as you say nice things about Donald Trump before, during or after. A Republican culture of corruption. And unlike um, economics, that culture of corruption does, in fact, trickle down. Jen Hayden at Daily Coast notes this week that uh, she says she writes another day, another Republican facing charges of fraud. This time it is Georgia's new state insurance and safety fire commissioner, Jim Beck. TV station Fox 5 this week in Atlanta reports that Beck is now facing 38 felony charges of mail fraud, wire fraud, and money laundering. The indictment alleges Beck defrauded a state-established insurance company by helping set up fake companies to produce fraudulent invoices and take money from that state-established insurance company. Beck is also accused of involving the Georgia Christian Coalition in the fraud scheme. In total, the, in the indictment alleges Beck used fraudulent schemes to embezzle more than $2 million between 2013 and 2018. Beck is a former insurance lobbyist and has long represented the Georgia Christian Coalition. So, of course, as a former insurance lobbyist, uh, Georgia's uh, Republican governor put him in charge of running this uh, insurance agency before he became insurance commissioner. That's how this works. Uh, a grand uh, jury determined that he used that uh, Georgia Christian coalition naturally to commit the fraud. As Fox 5 reports, the indictment alleges money was fundled, fu fundled, funneled from Georgia Underwriting Association which Beck had been running uh, by, uh, he was the commissioner at the time, so it was funneled from Georgia Underwriting Association by Commissioner Jim Beck through a separate company and then to the Georgia Christian Coalition. So, state agency, phony companies, Christian Coalition, it's the perfect Republican culture of corruption scandal all wrapped into one. Hopefully, President Trump has his pardon pen ready for this guy. This isn't the uh, first accusation of fraud against Beck, however. In 2018, uh, before he was elected as insurance commissioner last year, he resigned from the Georgia Underwriting Association after an investigation had revealed that he was billing his part-time position there at the Georgia Underwriting Association as a full-time job. Incredibly, uh, Beck, and uh, Jen Hayden runs this video that we don't have time for, but uh, he's a Republican who had rejected Medicaid expansion in Georgia. Uh, he said at the time that this began to come to light last year that he had held on to two full-time jobs one for the state and another at a private company because his wife needed health insurance for a pre-existing condition. 
this guy who was against expanding Medicaid in the state of Georgia to people who need health care. Anyway, that 2018 scandal came to light thanks to Fox 5 as he was running for office. But even after that damning report had hit the news, Beck still somehow, somehow narrowly defeated Democrat Janice Laws in the election for insurance commissioner last November 2018, at least reportedly on Georgia's, yes, 100 percent unverifiable voting systems. That happened on the same day that uh, Secretary of State and champion vote suppressor Brian Kemp oversaw his own supported narrow victory over Democrat Stacey Abrams for governor last year. And on the same day, when more than 125,000 votes appeared to have completely disappeared in the race for lieutenant governor, which was also won by the Republican candidate last year. And we have talked about that race quite a bit on this show. There were uh, more votes cast for some reason for insurance commissioner. That would be Jim Beck's race uh, for insurance commissioner and agriculture commissioner. Then there were for the lieutenant governor's race, which was much higher on the ballot. Hundreds of thousands of votes just didn't show up that day for some reason that no one has no one is able to explain. And it only happened on the 100 percent unverifiable touchscreens. There was no such drop off in votes in the lieutenant governor's race on the hand marked paper absentee ballots, uh, as we discussed um, earlier this week, once again, with uh, plaintiff Marilyn Marks of the Coalition of Good Governance, uh, because that election, that lieutenant governor's election, is still being challenged for those disappearing votes, which uh, that challenge made its way to the uh, state Supreme Court this uh, this past week, which we discussed with uh, Marilyn uh, this week, right? That was this yes. week we had her on. <laughs> I know. Jesus. Yeah. If you missed it, you can download it from bradblog.com for free. Thanks to those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you very much. Uh, anyway, so uh, who did the people of Georgia elect as insurance commissioner last November? That full-time fraud, Jim Beck. Despite 38 federal felony charges now, Beck is refusing to resign. That, even with the corrupt new Republican governor, Brian Kemp, now calling for him to do so. But this is just an hour... um an hour-long program, so I can't go into too many details. But just before airtime from the Atlanta Business Chronicle, uh, there we go, Georgia Insurance Commissioner Jim Beck was suspended from office on Thursday, two days after a 38-count federal grand jury indictment charged him with fraud and money laundering. Kemp had ordered this suspension after Beck sent the governor a letter requesting that he be suspended pending disposition of the case. In other words, I don't want to resign. Please suspend me. And then uh, I can we'll see how the case goes. And I can still get paid during all of that. Exactly. Kemp had sent Beck a letter on Wednesday uh, asking him to resign from state government He said, uh, your indictment severely undermines your ability to fulfill your official obligations to the people of Georgia. 
uh, it would be highly inappropriate for you to continue to hold public office. But it looks like he will, at least in a suspended state. Beck has pleaded not guilty to the charges uh, and is refusing to resign. At least uh, he is currently suspended, whatever that means. But wait, that's not all in our Republican culture of corruption segment for today. We may need, in fact, an extra hour or two. Uh, Michigan State uh, Rep Larry Inman has been indicted for allegedly seeking out campaign contributions from unions in exchange for a pro-union vote. This from the Detroit Free Press today. Uh, the lawmaker has been charged with attempted extortion, soliciting a bribe and lying to the FBI. Mr. President, you're going to need more ink in that pardon pen, I'm afraid. According to the indictment, the Republican Inman texted a union rep asking for campaign contributions for himself and several other Republicans who could, who could potentially vote no on a measure that would repeal a wage law that currently requires union wage rates on most public projects. They might consider voting against that if only you and your other union pals send money to me and my other Republican pals. And apparently they've got text messages proving that he did this. Uh, he allegedly texted, I would suggest... Uh, maxing them out, maxing them out on all 12 or at least doubling what you have given them. He's talking about giving money to his friends. Contributions, uh, suggesting that the contributions reach the maximum under the state's law. He also texted, quote, we never had this discussion. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Good thing he's dumb. Yeah. Genius, right? Uh, he, of course, has said in a statement to the free press, I have never compromised the integrity of my vote. I have always represented my constituency honestly and legally. I intend on vigorously fighting these charges and defending my reputation. Inman also refuses to resign despite being indicted. Uh, Republican Party, a culture of corruption. Now, wait, you might say, hey, Brad, I know you. there must be Democrats who are just as bad. Well, no, I do not believe this is a both sides. All sides do it. They both do it. Uh, but I do have a story before we get to a break here about some corrupt Democrats that fits nicely here today. See, fair and balanced. Lawyers at the Federal Election Commission found that Boston's Thornton Law Firm likely used a phony program to repay partners for political donations. But the case was dismissed after commissioners at the FEC deadlocked on whether to pursue it. FEC staff lawyers had found extensive evidence that this law firm, Thornton, uh, which is a major supporter of the Democratic Party and its candidates, that they illegally reimbursed partners for more than a million dollars in donations. According to a 33-page report from the staff lawyers at the FEC. But the commission itself voted two to two along party lines, a tie vote, which therefore dismisses the complaint instead of opening a full scale investigation as the FEC staff lawyers uh, had uh, had requested. Now, the group that filed the complaint against Thornton is the Campaign Legal Center. They are considering pursuing the matter in federal court. 
Uh, Brendan Fisher, the director of the Center's Federal Reform Program and a frequent uh, guest on this program, uh, who I guess we're going to have to call back again soon, Des. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said it's another example of the FEC failing to enforce the laws they're charged with administering. The evidence laid out in our complaint, they had initially made this complaint to the FEC, uh, provided compelling reasons for the agency to formally pursue the matter, and the FEC staff attorneys agreed the FEC should pursue it. But despite the fact that the FEC's professional staff attorneys recommended that they pursue this matter, the ideological divide on the part of the commissioners stopped it from going forward. So you see, both sides do it. Right here, this Democratic uh, supporting law firm who was clearly breaking the law has been uh, protected once again, thanks to a party line vote on the evenly split Federal Election Commission. But here's the rub. Despite the fact that these were unlawful contributions to Democrats uh, because the firm had paid back the attorneys for their contributions to these Democratic candidates, violating campaign finance laws, uh, a clear case of corruption by Democratic-leaning donors. Despite that, the two Republican commissioners on the FEC were the ones who voted against the full-scale investigation. Now, why would they do that? The FEC chair, who is a Democrat... Uh, along with the second commissioner, who is an independent, voted to proceed with the broader investigation, but they were blocked by the two Republicans on the commission. Can you believe it? Well, if you you know follow this show, if you follow what the FEC has been up to uh, over the years, you should believe it, because basically they're letting the Democrats off the hook because they know the Republicans have done the same thing and likely much worse. So the two Republican commissioners said, yeah, thanks for all of that evidence of corruption by this law firm and their illegal campaign contributions. But nah, we don't need to pursue this any further. Culture of corruption. Uh, for the record, there are actually six seats on the commission. Two are vacant right now and four yes votes are required to pursue cases. So even when there are there's a 3-3 a three, three partisan split on the commission, uh, Republicans have been voting to uh, block everything for years now at the FEC, which is pretty much completely useless, completely worthless. They've broken it. They have on purpose. Uh, FEC chair Ellen Weintraub called the matter, quote, sadly, one of a long list of cases where the commission has been unable to enforce the laws because of a split vote over the objections of our office of general counsel. She says in every case, it doesn't matter whether Democrats or Republicans are subject of the complaint. The Democrats want to enforce the law and the Republicans don't. She said it's an ideological opposition to enforcing the law. That's right. Republican Party is a culture of corruption, period. No, both sides don't do it. Commissioner Weintraub said the Campaign Legal Center can sue the agency and ask a judge to find the decision contrary to law. But she added, I don't think it's a good situation when we have to rely on private citizens to sue us in order to enforce the law. She says, I'm not real happy about it. 
amazing. Okay, quick break and more amazing stories as time allows, including uh, more fallout on the story we covered hard yesterday concerning the 2016 intrusions into the election systems in Florida before the 2016 election. Uh, And, of course, the amazing Green News Report. That's coming up, too. Don't go away. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com. Uh, If you missed our program yesterday with my interview with 30-year veteran Leon County, Florida Supervisor of Elections, Ion Sancho, you may want to download that one uh, and give it a listen. He was justifiably furious after the revelation this week uh, by the FBI that the election systems in uh, at least two counties in Florida had been penetrated by the GRU, the Russian intelligence uh, agency, in advance of the 2016 presidential election. Ion is uh, the longtime Leon County uh, supervisor of elections. He retired after the 2016 elections, but he's respected by all sides. He was chosen to oversee the the year 2000 presidential recount. Uh, and frankly, he's a uh, he's a great hero for voters. And uh, it was delightful to have him on the show again yesterday. And yet he was uh, furious about this uh, and about these new revelations coming out from the FBI because he says that the FBI lied to him, that they told him personally during a confidential conference call with all 37 Florida County election supervisors in 2016, in advance of the election, that there had been no intrusion, which we now know was not true. And according to Special Counsel Robert Mueller's report and documents leaked by uh, NSA whistleblower Reality Winner, who is now serving five years in federal prison, uh, the uh, the intrusion had occurred and had been known about in advance of that call that Ion is quite upset about. He was also furious because the FBI still refuses to reveal which counties were penetrated by these alleged spear phishing attacks by Russian intelligence. 
and what damage they may or may not have done. As Sancho told me, he has absolutely no confidence in the claims that voting data or election results were not altered in Florida, and he has even less confidence that an even more sophisticated attack won't happen in 2020 in Florida and elsewhere. Well, he's not the only one who's furious about this. Of course, I have been furious about this from uh, day one. <laughs> 15, uh, 20 years ago, yes. Yeah, that long, but certainly after the day after the 2016 election, when I knew that nobody knew who actually won that race because nobody bothered to count the ballots. They just relied on the computers, which are incredibly vulnerable. Well, now other people are starting to realize this is a problem. After how many years of us yelling and screaming about the exact same thing Uh, and Republicans uh, and even many Democrats basically denying it all of this time and even smearing. They smeared uh, then uh, Democratic U.S. Senator Bill Nelson last year for saying as much about Florida uh, as he was running against then Republican Governor Rick Scott uh, for uh, for the U.S. Senate, uh, Scott eventually defeated Nelson last year in an incredibly close and completely unverified election in the Sunshine State. Well, now the Florida delegation, apparently they met today with the FBI. Uh, they are still furious. They are still not disclosing who these two, which uh, of these uh, two counties were supposedly penetrated uh, by Russian intelligence. Uh, they say that other counties in Florida were targets of unsuccessful cyber attacks, according to the FBI. But the FBI would also not identify who those counties were to the delegations. Both Democrats and Republicans alike, Congress members from Florida, are furious about this. Even Matt Gates, uh, one of uh, Donald Trump's biggest defenders in Florida, a Republican wingnut, uh, says that the rationale for not explaining who these counties are is ludicrous. He says the victims in these cases are not government office holders. The victims are voters. He's right. I agree with Matt Gates on that narrow point. Uh, he then went on to say that we have to be able to have trust in our electoral system. So I feel better now because, no, we don't have to have trust in the electoral system. We have to have oversight of the electoral system, Congressman. It's also unclear whether Congress's intelligence committees were previously informed about the cyber attacks on the Florida county systems. Senator Marco Rubio told TPM on Wednesday that he was not commenting specifically on the Florida situation, but he defended the FBI's lack of public disclosure, saying, oh, they're in a tough situation. Well, of course he defends them because, as Ion Sancho told us yesterday, uh, Marco Rubio was on the same intelligence committee where they were told about some of this last year with Florida, then Florida Senator Bill Nelson, who said as much and he was called a crazy old man and a conspiracy theorist for mentioning it. And at that time, Rubio knew exactly what Nelson knew, but Rubio said absolutely nothing. And, of course, Nelson would then go on to lose his election very narrowly, reportedly, to Governor Rick Scott. So all's well for the sleazebag Marco Rubio, who still has not apologized to Nelson. But uh, very quickly, George W. Bush's cybersecurity czar Richard Clark 
was on Lawrence O'Donnell's show last night on MSNBC. He was asked about the linkage between the Mueller report's reference to this intrusion in Florida and this additional news this week from Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and that uh, second county infiltration. Uh, Here's how some of that went last night. Uh, Richard Clark, your reaction to both of those things? First, that uh, notation in the Mueller report, and then uh, possibly its linkage to what we're learning in Florida. Well, they they are linked. Uh, And the remarkable thing about that uh, event yesterday was the governor of Florida saying he had been forced by the FBI to sign the secrecy oath uh, before they would tell him anything. And they told him he couldn't tell the two counties involved, uh, the citizens of those counties or the public, what counties had been hacked. Uh, That's just ridiculous. Uh, The Russians know what they did. There's no reason why the American people can't know. Uh, But the larger issue here, Lawrence, is there are 4,000 counties in the United States, and they are not equipped uh, to protect themselves against nation-state attacks from Russian GRU hackers. Uh, My day job is cybersecurity. Uh, And I know major corporations can't figure out when they've been hacked, uh, despite a lot of investment. Uh, For these counties to say, we know we weren't hacked, they don't know. The FBI doesn't know. Uh, It's likely that the Russian hacking was far more extensive than we're aware of. If the Russians wanted to hide their tracks, they're pretty good at doing that. Uh, So we may very well go into the next election uh, without uh, an adequate defense against what will be a more sophisticated uh, Russian program. Newsflash, we will go into the 2020 election uh, facing equally or more sophisticated attacks without the proper protection because we refuse to demand elections that are overseeable by the public. And uh, that was Richard Clark again, George W. Bush's cybersecurity guy, uh, saying that, you know, that that private companies with all of the billions of dollars they have cannot protect from nation state attacks. It does not take a nation state to attack an election. So on one hand, I'm glad that folks are now worried because they believe that Russia may have done something in 2016. But it ain't just Russia. It is anyone else, any other nation, any other private citizen can manipulate our elections in, yes, more than 4,000 counties. And they will be equally, if not more vulnerable in in, uh, 2020. I'm just glad, I guess, that I am no longer the only one at least talking about it because there's evidence. Richard Clark and Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC Glad someone's paying attention. Another 15 years or so, maybe we'll do something about it. Quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Oh, 
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Desi Doyen, is it true? Is Nicole Sandler coming in tomorrow to sit in for us? That's the rumor. Uh, that's what I hear. Well, I'll believe it when I, when I hear it. <laughs> All right. Until then, we better get to it. Our latest Green News report. Cal Fire says that the campfire actually started in two separate locations, but that both ignitions were started by PG&E lines. Utility company power lines caused deadliest fire in California history. ExxonMobil knew exactly that climate change was real and man-made as far back as 1970. Carbon dioxide in the atmosphere hits disturbing milestone just as Exxon predicted decades ago. Delaying action on climate change could cost investors more than $1 trillion. Plus, plant-based alternatives to meat might be considered fake, but the growth of the industry is very real. Burger King takes the impossible Whopper nationwide. All of those impossibilities and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Bad news for vegetarians. America is running out of impossible burgers. I know, it seems unlikely. (laughs) This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I think we all knew this was going to happen, but we now have the official cause of the fire that burned down paradise last year. Yes, that's true. The California Department of Forestry confirmed on Wednesday that the deadly and devastating campfire that obliterated the town of Paradise, California last November was caused by aging electrical transmission lines owned by Pacific Gas and Electric. The most destructive fire in state history, it killed 85 people and destroyed nearly 19,000 homes and buildings. PG&E has since filed for bankruptcy protection to deal with the flood of losses from catastrophic fires caused by its equipment over the last two years. The utility's new CEO pledged to state lawmakers on Wednesday to implement new policies to reduce the risk of catastrophic fires in the future. Isn't it time that California simply take over PG&E at this point after deadly failure after failure like this? That is under consideration because PG&E may also potentially face criminal charges. And this supports your argument that you've offered for many years that these power lines ought to be buried. That ought to be part of the Green New Deal. Meanwhile, the insurance industry is beginning to grapple with the mounting costs of climate impacts. It's now the top concern of the insurance industry. In the annual survey of insurance companies released this week by the Society of Actuaries, insurers listed climate change as the biggest risk facing their industry by far. Failure to act on climate change is a big risk for investors, too. A new global assessment from the United Nations Environment Finance Initiative brought together 20 global fund managers to measure the impact of climate change on 30,000 of the world's largest listed companies. The report that they released this week calculated that further delay in tackling climate change could cost companies about $1.2 trillion worldwide over just the next 15 years. But we can't afford 
to do anything about climate change, right? That's what Republicans say. They do. And this week, scientists at Mauna Loa Observatory in Hawaii announced that the planet's atmosphere has now reached 415 parts per million of carbon dioxide due to human activity. The last time CO2 levels were this high, humans didn't exist. But ExxonMobil nailed it. Internal company documents revealed in a blockbuster expose by Inside Climate News show that all the way back in 1982, Exxon's own scientists informed its executives that burning fossil fuels would increase atmospheric CO2 to around 415 parts per million by 2020. And they predicted it would raise global temperatures nearly a full degree Celsius, causing major disruptions to the planet's stable climate. They were right about both targets. They knew when this was going to happen for the first time in human history, and they knew to cover it up with millions of dollars. And that's exactly what freshman Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York said when she slammed ExxonMobil in a fiery speech at a rally this week at D.C.'s Howard University to promote the green. New Deal. Ocasio-Cortez slammed polluters and politicians who claim the cost of fighting the climate crisis is too much. What is too much for me is the fact that ExxonMobil knew exactly that climate change was real and man-made as far back as 1970. And instead of being part of the solution, they paid millions of dollars to lobby and lie and confuse the American public about it, endangering generations to come. That is too much for me. And finally, a bit of good news. Fast food giant Burger King says its recent market test of the meat-free Impossible Whopper in St. Louis was so successful it will roll out the plant-based burger patty to all of its more than 7,000 stores nationwide. It's just the latest and largest fast food chain to offer consumers meat-free choices. Eating less meat is just one way individuals can reduce their impact on the planet. Very cool. You know, Del Taco's Beyond Taco is also delicious. <laughs> Good. Better than their meat taco. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Yep. Impossible. Uh, also, my thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. I hope you will consider while you're there stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Just click on that donate link. Uh, to help Desi and I stay on your public airwaves. We rely on you for that. Uh, we don't have commercial help. We don't have... We just have you. Sign up for a subscription of any amount you like, and that sustains us and keeps us going. Bradblog.com slash donate. You can also drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me simply as the Bradblog. I hope you'll uh, share all that we do there as well. Uh, that's it. Anything else, Desi Doyen? No, that's it. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.